Welcome to the Adventist Hoops podcast. My name is Dustin. I'm here with Walla Walla University head women's coach, Tony Nakashima. He's a fellow PUC pioneer. Uh, Tony, I got my PUC pioneer shirt. This is a, this is an old version. I don't know if they're making this one anymore, but it's good to have a, a fellow a pioneer uh, on the podcast. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So Tony, for those people that may not be familiar with your story, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your coaching journey, where you're from and, and kind of what has led you to this point where you're uh, in the head coaching position at Walla Walla University. Yeah. Um, so I started out at Warner Pacific uh, College. Now it's the university, but um, started out there. And then after one year, I went to um, Bethany College in Kansas. And then after that, I was at the University of Montana Western for three years. Um, in 2019, we were the NAIA national champions, which was great. Um, and then after that, I went to the University of Kentucky as a coaching video coordinator there for a year. Um, and then I was at uh, Northern State University in South Dakota. And then now I'm here at Walla Walla University as the head coach. So entering my 10th year overall, my third um, at Walla Walla. Wow. What a, what a unique, uh, you know, diverse set of experiences that you've gotten living in many different states, coaching under many different coaches. Um, talk about like your experience uh, going through all these different places and, and how, how did you retain information as you went from place to place? It could be overwhelming and you just don't remember anything. How did you kind of, was there any process that you, you would kind of make sure you were taking notes as you were going along? Um, you know, just whichever, with every year, uh, every season, you know, just, just learning as much as I can, um, doing as much as I can. Um, so when I first started out, I was actually a volunteer assistant at Warner Pacific. Um, but that led me to the full-time assistant coach job at, at Bethany College. Um, from there, it just was just making connections um, and, and just learning as much as I can. I, I, I got to learn from some great head coaches. Um, who have become my mentors. Um, and then so just really gathering as much information I can, um, really learning um, that is more than basketball. Uh, you know, so coaching is, is just bigger than basketball and learning that about probably my third year of, of coaching um, and just, but just being willing to do, every, you know, putting in the work um, and just just trying to learn as much as I can unpack that, what you said about it being more than basketball. I mean, what, what kind of realization, was there a moment that you came to realize, Hey, you know what, this is basketball, but it's actually to be successful at it, right. To be successful and, and do well, it actually is more about, uh, life. Yeah. So it wasn't until when I was at the university of Montana Western, when I was there for multiple years, um, just developing the relationships, um, with the student athletes there, really opened my eyes to that it's more than basketball you know as a young coach I thought it was like teaching them all basketball right uh and then it just got to where I was developing these great relationships with each player and uh and helping them out um you know so just being invited to players weddings um or writing letters of recommendations uh you know it's those things like that that is more than basketball creating these lifelong uh relationships uh, with with everyone and and, you know, I, I still keep in touch with former players, uh, even to this day. Uh, it's great. I've seen some of my former players become coaches now. Uh, some are head coaches, some are assistant coaches. So it's great 
uh, and just seeing them around, uh, you know, when I, when I, you know, at recruiting, uh, tournaments and things like that. So just, just hold, you know, developing those relationships, that's, you know, that's what it was about it and helping them, you know, helping them not only in basketball, but in, in life as well. You talk about that player coach relationship. I'm wondering, even going back before your collegiate experience, I know that there's a pretty legendary coach that uh, you played for at Portland Adventist Academy. Talk about Coach Norm's influence on you. Yeah, so um, actually, I'm, you know, he, I never got to be coached by him. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but uh, but my my head coach in, in high school was legendary, Lance Judd. Okay. Uh, so, but I did I did learn. Um, so from, did he did he retire after? Uh, yeah, so okay. he retired um, a couple couple years before I was in high school. Oh, uh, okay. So I just gotcha. missed him, but I did get to learn from him because I did. Uh, I was a varsity assistant coach. Um, okay. High school, so I got to learn um, from him uh, being an assistant. So the, the reason I'm getting all mixed up, of course, Tony knows, is that um, I was teammates with your brother, and I know that he played under him at some point. So I. Yeah didn't realize that that he had uh, retired after that so my apologies but. but he's he's a good friend of mine uh he's actually showed up to some of our games in portland oh cool uh, so i still keep in touch with him and everything like that so that's awesome um talk about how you've grown as a coach maybe some specific things that you used to do as a younger coach and now after all this experience you look back and you're like why why did i do it that way oh there's a <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> Uh, I, I would say one of the biggest things is as a young coach, you, you focus a lot on a lot of the little things and you want to change all the little things mm. as a young coach. Whereas as you get older, you realize that you, you can't just stop every time someone makes a mistake, right? If you did that, you'd have, you know, four hour practices. So being able to choose and pick your spots of, you know, what is really important that you got to stop right now compared to, you know, letting it go. And then if it becomes a reoccurring um, thing that you need to fix, then you really got to bring it up. But just being able to navigate and to separate things that you need to fix right away compared to some things that you can let go and, and, and let let them learn on their own about sure. um, and just not find that that, do you find that that is more um that is more as a team that you have to let things go like that or more when it's individual skills that you see that are not being performed uh so when like individual skills if you're working with a small group then that that you can fix right away yeah it's more like in a practice setting yeah yeah can't you don't have the time to just stop and fix it right away. Whereas, right. you know, maybe you can pull them aside and then talk to them while, you know, while the drill is going on or something like that, but you just can't stop, you know, as, as a young coach, you're like, Oh no, got to fix that right away. But you know, you want to, you want to go and fix it, but you don't have the time and, and just learning. And, and, you know, I mean, I believe that one of the best learning tools is experience, right? So they got to go through it a little bit, you know, and make mistakes it's and, and teach them that it's okay to make mistakes you know with especially with ball handling drills i really i really say like it's okay to mess up you know if you're working hard and it's a tough ball handling drill you shouldn't be able to do it 100 correctly every time 
that you're not getting better. If, if you mess up, the ball goes flying, the ball stops or whatever, that, that means that you're pushing yourself and, you know, it's, it's okay to make that mistake and, and you can correct it. So with ball handling, it's really, um, that, that, that's a great way to kind of really be like, it's okay to make mistakes. Like well, it's you, okay you look at, you look at some of these NBA trainers and they're working with players that are at the height of, you know, the basketball world and they're putting them in really uncomfortable situations so that they're not going to be able to just do what they'd normally do. They're going to make mistakes. And like you said, that's the way that you learn. Yeah. With that in mind, how do you generally structure your practices? I mean, is it a lot of, um, is it a lot of drills? Is it a lot of, um, you know, uh, five on five uh, game situation stuff or just is isolated, you know, skills? How, how do you work on stuff? Yeah, we, uh, so actually to start every practice, um, I, I learned this from one of my head coaches that I worked under, but we do what's called a daily dime. And it's something very small, but I write a quote on the wall of our locker room. And, you know, it's usually an inspirational quote. Um, sometimes it's a memory verse as well. And in beginning of practice, I choose who's going to recite the quote or memory verse, but no one knows who I'm going to choose, you know, because I only choose one person. And, but all of them should be memorizing the quote. Um, so first part is that they have to recite the quote. Um, and then the second part is, is what does it mean to you? Um, so it's twofold. So we start practice that it's, it's a little fun thing. Um, and, uh, but again, with coaching, I've heard people say that I truly believe it, that, you know, we, we still, we still, uh, drills, we steal ideas from other coaches. Right. And, and it's totally, that is totally okay. Um, like I said, I didn't come up with it. Um, I learned it from my head coach. So, uh, so that's how we start practice. And then after that, you know, we'll do some warm-up drills with ball handling, and then we'll do some, some skill development work uh, as groups. Uh, so fundamental skill work for a good, maybe 20 to 30 minutes. And then we'll work on some offensive segments or some defensive segments, and then we'll go on five on five. So it's kind of all bro broken down. Okay. Talk a little bit about your time at the University of Kentucky. What an experience to be able to be there. Uh, what was it like being a part of uh, that program at the NCAA Division I level? Yeah, that, that experience was great. Um, working with the coaches there, I learned a lot. Um, you know, we the, the number one draft pick was Ryan Howard in the WNBA. And when I was there, she was a sophomore. Um, but, you know, my role was the co uh, coaching veto coordinator. Um, so I attended all the coaching meetings, things like that, but it was a little different than being an assistant coach. Uh, and so, um, but that level, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, you have, well, the resources there is, it, you know, we would chartered flights, uh, I mean, char uh, catch charter flights to, to games, uh, and, you know, stay in five-star hotels, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing at that level. Um, I imagine just the, the brain trust that you have at that level. You're not at that level if you're not any good as a coach. And so being able to be in that room with those coaches was probably invaluable. Can you explain to people what the role of a video coordinator is and what you took from that experience into your subsequent coaching stops? Yeah. So, you know, at every, at every in every program, it's, it's probably a little different, but my, my, my experience uh, at Kentucky was, uh, you know, I would film practices. Uh, and and I'd break down the film uh, for the coaches of each practice. So 
Uh, and then for games, um, I pre prepare film uh, for our upcoming opponent. Um, I work very closely with the assistant coaches and their scouting reports. Uh, at times, I'd be literally working on three teams at once because one assistant would be working, um, you know, for the scout for, let's say, you know, Tennessee. Uh, the other assistant would be working for the scout for um, Vanderbilt and another for Florida. Uh, but for me, I'd be pulling up film, you know, at tennis against Tennessee and Vanderbilt and and Florida all at once. You didn't know which game was coming next. You didn't know what at, the schedule was. <laughs> at times, I, I was getting a little confused to like yeah. say the player's name, but you know, it's for a long time. I was like, oh, sorry, you know, but but I worked very closely um, with the assistant coaches because they knew that I've had, that I did have exper previous experience working on scouting reports, mm -hmm. um, you know, prior to my time at Kentucky. So they valued that. And so just, but, working with each coach on a scouting report was, you know, each coach had a different way of doing their scouting reports. Uh, and so learning how each did it, you know, I, I learned a lot from that, uh, learned a lot. We, you know, we would break down film from practice uh, a certain of certain players and then breaking that, you know, getting that uh, prepared for when the assistant coach would go over that with, uh, with that individual. And so just, just watching film, um, a lot and breaking it down. I had a really great mentor. His name is Daniel Boyce. He was the previous video coordinator uh, before me and learning a lot from him. Um, he, he's amazing at, at what he does. Um, now he's at Florida though. So, um, but learning, I learned a lot from him as well. Is that an automated system that you used to collect all that data? Is I'm What I'm wondering is, I don't know that video is used as heavily at at our Adventist colleges as it could be and it but is it something that at with technology advancing it could be used a little more since you have in-depth knowledge about it yeah so we use this program that usually either I think um I think NFL teams use and 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 other college programs but we use what's called Exos and so during the games I would my laptop would be connected to a camera and so literally I'm breaking down the games as the game is going on. Wow. There's a little bit of lag time because what the importance of, of what I did was to cut out, you know, media timeouts, commercials, dead ball situations, anything like that. So our head coach or any of the coaches could watch film right after the game ended on our flight mm -hmm. back. Okay. Uh, because there is another program called Synergy that, across all levels, you know, D1, D2, D3, NAI that we use. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we use here at Walla Walla, but, but that Exos program was what we used to, for faster uh, edits, uh, so the coaches could have it right after the game. That's so that's what I would use for practice and for the games, so they everything is accessible right, like, quickly, because with Synergy, you upload it, to to that to them to synergy and they're the ones who break everything down ah i see so that's a service as opposed to you doing it yourself yes got it well i've just been impressed with some of this um technology out there you know you got like your huddles and and uh can't remember the other snip something anyway there, there's some like automated services that are making it more accessible and it'd be nice to um have each school be incorporating that into their program so that's awesome that you you got that experience um what 
for you, you've gotten all this experience. You're an Adventist. You, you grew up going to an Adventist school. You went to Pacific Union College, and then you were able to get all this experience outside of the Adventist uh, basketball world. Um, what would you say, how, how special is it for you to come back to an Adventist school as a head coach? Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. You know, just trying to, you know, trying to build the program here. Um, you know, we, we're in a tough conference, but being able to hopefully, actually, you know, one of the biggest things is that, you know, when I, when I recruit, I'm not only just talking to Seventh-day Adventist kids, but I'm talking to kids who've never heard of what Seventh-day Adventist is. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what's the, what, what is, is the most, it's the coolest thing about, or probably don't say coolest. It's the, it's the greatest thing about, you know, being here at Walla Walla is that the witness part aspect of it. Whereas when I'm talking to a recruit who has never heard about what Seventh-day Adventist is, you know, I kind of, I get to explain a little bit about that and the differences. Uh, but then what's even better about that is that, you know, the, you know, my, my student athletes are here now that are not Seventh-day Adventists, they are getting witnessed. I mean, I, some of my, some of my players who are not Seventh-day Adventists now go to church, mm. you know, you know, on the Sabbath, which is huge. Whereas like, you know, they normally, you know, they're non-denominational Christians, but they actually attend church on Saturdays, which is, I, I when I found that I was, I was, I was so happy. Like that was so cool. Uh, so just witnessing and telling others what Seventh-day Adventist is, because, you know, when I talk to a recruit, they have no clue what it is. And sure. so just being able to, to educate them a little bit of, about our specific religion, um, you know, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool on my part. What do you think prevents us? And I say us, because I see it at a lot of different schools is from, from signing more Adventist players. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we talk about a gap between Adventist basketball and, you know, the rest of the interscholastic world we've been playing interscholastically as Adventist high schools for decades now. And you would think, okay, would the gap be closing, but it still seems like there is a gap. Uh, would you agree? And if so, you know, um, what do you think we could do um, to, to close that gap? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, I, I've been kind of thinking about that and I don't, I don't have all the right answers, but one thing that I think could help is just you know with girls in high school just trying to get trying to get uh coaching that prepares them for the college level i do think that a lot of our adventist academies um in a lot in every sport it's aren't necessarily getting someone that has a ton of experience coaching uh, maybe they played, but playing is different than coaching. And also making yourself a better coach is just as important as when you were a player trying to make yourself a better player. And I don't know if that always happens at some of our academies. Yeah, that, I would say that's the better way of saying it. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, but, then, but it's a mixture of things. It's not just one, you know, sure. it's just not one thing. I mean, you know, playing AU is, is good, uh, but a lot of AU tournaments are on the Sabbath. Mm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to play against good competition because, you know, compared to high school and AU where you have now the whole five on the court that you're playing against are all probably going to go play in college. Whereas at 
high schools, it's maybe one or two that are yeah. going to, you know, that you play um, on your high school team. So AAU is a great, um, you know, helps you get better. You're playing against good competition. You're, you're, you know, you're going to these programs that, that help you develop into, you know, like skill development work. Um, so that, you know, I think playing AAU helps. Um, I, but the other thing is, I mean, there are still some great Seventh-day Adventist uh, kids who come out of academies, but they they beat us out, um, you know. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there, you know, there's a girl I tried recruit. Well, she got a full ride to a D2 yeah. in California, and I, yeah. can't, I can't beat that. You know, full right. ride in California, I can't beat that. Right. So, like, the yeah, there are good good players coming out of these academies, but they are, they're getting a better offer and which I trust me, I don't knock them for that. You know, that's, that's great that they're getting that offer um, right. and, and all that, but, but the, the, the really good ones there, there are really good ones out there and they are getting noticed. Um, and then they, we, you know, we just lose to them in, in the recruiting battle. I also think that there's some great Adventist boys and girls players that are not getting picked up by an Adventist school and they could be, but they're just not known. And I know that recruiting is tough. It's one of the hardest things about your job. Probably uh, it, you have to be a salesperson. You have to really be able to cover a wide swath of, of area. How do you approach recruiting? And is there a way that we could, um, I mean, part of what I didn't start Adventist hoops to be a recruiting tool, but hopefully, you know, it, it could help also give exposure to some players that really aren't known. Maybe their school doesn't go to an Adventist tournament or they're just not on anybody's radar. How do you approach recruiting? How could we recruit more of our Adventist players? Uh, yeah. So what we did last year with my coaching staff is that we sent um, an email, uh, you know, a, a, a mass email to the local, not sorry, not local, but you know, we hit Idaho, California, Oregon, Washington. Um, I don't know if we hit further than that. Maybe we should have, but we emailed all the academies and their coaches on who we should be on the lookout for. Nice. Uh, so that you know, that is a way. Uh, but we got a lot of answers that said you know that they didn't have anyone or not anyone that is looking to play in college. Mm -hmm. um, actually, that reminds me, that's another thing that there, you know, there's not a lot of academy, at least on the, on the women's side, there's not a lot of academy kids who want to continue to play. Mm. Um, so that, that's, I think, and they don't, they don't understand how serious, you know, this, the seriousness of it, of what it takes to play at the college level. Um, you know, so it's twofold one that they, you know, they, they just want to go to college and focus on school. Mm -hmm. Um, so they don't take it as seriously. And, and then two, you know, that, that it is a lot of work, um, sacrifice, hard work and things like that. But, um, but yeah, like I said, uh, we send a mass email and so just trying to get, you know, as a, as, as try to learn of who we should be on the lookout for. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I guess one thing that, you know, high schools, you know, my email it's online, uh, it has my phone number, it has my email and, Every high school coach, if you're a women's basketball uh, coach in high school, shoot me an email with some film about, uh, you know, about your kid that's interested. Yeah. And I, I suppose the Adventist tournaments help. You have one right there at the Walla Walla. Um, do you still call it the friendship tournament? Yeah, it's, yeah. But it's a little bit harder for us because they actually, 
when they come play here, we're on the road. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, my first year here, Seems like that's, that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. My <laughs> first year that out there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And, and I've told that to, you know, we've had discussions about that because if you're trying to get looked by us, well, we're yeah. on the road playing. And right. so I can't, you know, I can't see you firsthand. Right. Right. So, um, but my first year here there, because our Friday game was closer, was mm. an hour, 30 minutes away. I got to stay for that Thursday night, the first day and watch games. But typically we leave on that Thursday, drive four hours, uh, you know, and then we play Friday at noon. Mm. So we're, you know, it, it's, we don't really get to see a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, yes, we do have the tournaments, but it's usually when we're out of town. Going back to what we were talking about earlier about Adventist uh, competitiveness uh, and the, the gap in skill, obviously Adventist basketball tournaments are amazing. It's a great experience for all the kids to come together, to get to know each other and to form friendships that will probably last, you know, through college, they'll, they'll know each other. There's so many great aspects of it. Does it actually hurt in any way to compare yourself or for that to be kind of the, the end all when you're talking about the relative success that you may have in a tournament that's just an Adventist tournament versus success that other schools of your size are having. And it doesn't compare. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think I understand. Uh, you know, Hey, it, any, any, uh, what I learned, you know, you should celebrate every win. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not easy to win games. So if you come to this tournament and you win, yeah, celebrate that. That's, that's great. You know, that's huge. Uh, but you know, typically you're playing against, you know, competition that's different than you would be playing if you played against bigger schools mm -hmm. yeah uh, but hey it's it, i wouldn't you know if you win this tournament that's great that that's awesome you know you win the pc tournament that's great that's you know like i don't want to discredit that winning winning yeah. you know those tournaments um you know yeah. in high school we we won the loma linda tournament mm -hmm. uh, they had a great team that year loma linda did and and we went down there and beat them um and so you know, so I have experience of going to a tournament against FDA Adventist schools and, and winning it. So, yeah. and it was huge. like the, the friendships you build, you know, with that team and that, that memory of, of winning that tournament, that's huge. And so I, I would not discredit that, discredit that at all, especially if you're at a Adventist tournament, yeah. uh, but just, you know, compared to some other bigger schools, it is different Yeah. in the, in the level of competition. Now, when you are watching at one of these tournaments, or maybe you're just going and watching a player, a potential recruit somewhere else at another college or, or a high school player. What is the first attribute or skill that you're generally looking for that is kind of universal, no matter what position they play or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, that'd be shooting mm. how well they can shoot it. Um, you know, I'm a believer that a natural shooter it's, it's, I like natural shooters. Um, that's not to say that somebody can develop into a shooter, but I, I like natural shooters, uh, especially from the three. Uh, the way our offense is is structured is I, I love outside shooting. So that is, and that's something universal because I like shooting bigs. I like bigs who can shoot it, who can stretch the floor. So with any any position, um, you know, anything like that, I that is one thing that I really uh, universally look at is is if they can shoot the ball. So what are you trying to do on offense to get, uh, get open looks? 
so we so we want to space the floor uh and so we you know in order to do that you got to have shooters uh you know playing faster like i i love to play fast and i i i want to be able to give the freedom to a shooter to shoot a three in the in in transition Mm-hmm. Uh, if not that in the half court offense, then you got to be able to space the floor with your shooting ability. And do you uh, mostly see, and by the way, Walla Walla University is in NAIA, uh, the Cascade Cascade Conference. I don't know what the full name is, but Cascade, Cascade Collegiate Conference. Con- Collegiate yeah. Conference. Um, what are most teams playing defensively? Uh, man. Uh, man. But there are, there are teams, we see a mixture of both. Uh, depending on who we play, some play all zone. Um, that's that's a few. Uh, some teams will mix it up, play man and zone. Some teams will play pri- uh, primarily man. So we see all all of it. So are you are you mo- mostly running sets once you get in the half court, or you're trying to get something early in transition? And you like you said, you they have the green light, or some of them have the green light to to put it up. If not, are you getting into a set, or do you like? you usually run just an open motion or? Yeah. So we, you know, with, uh, with, with our roster size this upcoming season, we want to play faster. Um, and so last year we did play uh, a little bit more of tempo compared to my first year. Uh, but we want to play faster in transition. And then second, secondly, in the half court, uh, we, my, my philosophy is keeping things simple. I want to run, I don't want to run 30 set plays. Uh, I want to run, you know, our primary offense or a second primary offense, and it's a lot of read and react. So I want I want to give the uh, you know my players the freedom uh, to to play. I'd rather have them make plays than than run a ton of set plays. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, like I said, you know, it's a lot of read and react. That brings up another question I had, which is at this level, how much scouting is happening? Are you, are you going to a lot of games? I imagine you're not traveling a ton or sending out staff to games. It's all online, hopefully, that you can do some scouting that way. Yeah, so we can't typically, we can't, well, with the distance, but you can't actually go to a game and sit down. Um, okay. It's uh, league policy. Okay. So how we do with Synergy. Uh, so every team is required to upload your game you're required back in the day when i played you had to have a special relationship with different schools (laughs) that would share video together they'd (laughs) mail you the tapes or hand you a vhs you know uh after your game with them of a you know anyway so it's come a long way wow yeah yeah so required to upload it so everybody's got access to everything yeah that's going to make the overall product better that that you're seeing on the court yeah so you know we yeah i watch tons of film on who we're playing and then our scanner reports but but the information that I relay to to the team is again, I want to keep it more simple. So I don't, we're not having hour-long scout film sessions. You know, it could be maybe 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. Uh, even when we watch film on ourselves, it's no longer than 30 minutes unless it's a really bad, unless we had a bad day and we gotta watch a little bit more. But typically don't wanna, again, it's not, I don't want to overload them with a ton of information. Our mm-hmm. scouting reports, we try to keep it simple. Uh, you know, we don't want to write a whole paragraph of, of each player. Uh, you know, we just want to, uh, you know, put the bullet points of, of each player and how to guard them. So that's my philosophy, just keeping, trying to keep everything simple, you know, our play simple, uh, how we do scan reports, how we do film, just not to, ov- not to overload um, everyone with, with, with information. I mentioned that you guys are in the 
Cascade Collegiate Conference. And I just uh, recently saw that you guys won a Champions of Character Award. Uh, that's not just the basketball program. Is that right? It's the whole school? Uh, or is that was that your program? I think we we qualified for it. We didn't win. Ah, ah, okay. We just, it's a we national. Became, yeah. We became like a, I think a five-star champs of character. School. That's an award. You won an award. <laughs> you guys won an award. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but I, I, it sounds like those are, are for characters, for virtuous uh, attributions that the school has and that you're uh, manifesting in when you go and you are uh, competing against other schools. So congratulations. Uh, on that, on that. Um, talk about the difference because you have uh, coached in NAIA and NCAA. Uh, some people really don't, you know, they, they don't really know what NAIA is or what the differences are. Um, at a broad level, what's the difference between NAIA and, and NCAA? You know, NAIA, I should ask an AD this, but I, you're, <laughs> I, I have you in front of me. So yeah, NAIA, NAIA basketball is really good. You know, people kind of, there's some kind of perception about it, or maybe maybe not as much now, but that NAI is not as good. But we, I mean, you know, my time at uh, the University of Montana Western, you know, being in the national tournament all three years and, you know, playing against really good teams. I mean, we, we beat a D2 school. Um, I was going to say, I mean, I feel like NAIA schools are between like a D3, D2, but they could be better than a D2 school. They're certainly not going to be as competitive as an NCAA Division One school. There's no doubt about that. But some of those NAIA teams are going to be at the level of a D2 NCAA school. Do you agree? Yeah, I, you know, a high level NAIA program could could beat and hang with D2s and even D1s. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there have been some high level NAIA programs that beat uh, D1s before. Mm -hmm. You know, it's rare, but it has happened. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, NAI level is, I mean, you know, when we were at the national tournament where we actually were there watching other teams, it's fun to watch. It's good. Yeah, I, bet. I bet. So, yeah, but the biggest, you know, biggest difference, I mean, because we get dropped down D1, D2 players all the time at the NAI level. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think one of the biggest differences is not only the, is I think the size. Uh, so now you're getting let's say for women's basketball, right? You're getting a six foot girl who can play a guard, you know, at the D1 level, but at the, at the NAI level, a six one is, or a six foot is is probably like a forward or center. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you get a drop down five ten girl who, you know, who could play a forward who came from a D1, that's, that, that, that's huge. So they're taller and they can do a little bit more. Uh, so I think that would be the difference. And, you know, so the size and the skill, um, cause you know, there are skillful players at the NAI level, but, but someone who can do a little bit more, but is six feet or five ten or five eleven compared to someone who's like five, eight, as the saying goes, you can't teach height. And yeah. that is true. Yeah. Well, you talk about skilled players at the NAI level, who, what is a name that people need to know if they take out of this, uh, this interview here at Walla Walla university, who, who is, who's a player that people should be watching for this next year? Man, that's, uh, you know, I would say Jalea Kasem. Uh, okay. She's uh, she's our senior guard. Uh, last year, she led our conference in scoring, mm -hmm. um, you know, but she only got honorable mention all conference. But in our conference, we, we have a first team and then honorable mention. So no second or third team. Um, but, um, you know, she's, you know, I know she's putting in work this summer. And um, I, I think that's a name that, that you can definitely um, 
look out for. Okay. All right. Good. Um, Hey man, I have just one more question for you. Um, and that is just a kind of a question about basketball in general. What is basketball given to you in life? It's given me a lot. Um, friendships, um, work habits. Uh, I, that's the, that's the beauty of, of not just basketball, but of sports is, is that it teaches you life lessons. It teaches you how to work um, with others. It teaches you how to, um, you know, build those strong habits to take out to take uh, with you uh, in life. Um, but the relationships that I've built with either other coaches, uh, with bosses that I worked for, with with players, and you know, just the relationships that at his you know, help me build is, is probably one of the biggest uh, things that basketball has given to me. Um, and it's, it's great to do it. It's great to, that, that it's great that my job uh, is something that I'm very passionate about um, and, and something that I love to do, uh, which, you know, not everyone can say that, you know, that the job is, is also their passion. So that is something that I'm very blessed um, with. I would also say that there's a lot of at least in my experience, Adventist coaches, that it wasn't truly their life's passion. They loved basketball, no doubt. But to look at someone like you, who's gone from program to program, stepping up to putting in the time, putting in the work and gaining all this experience along the way. And now you find yourself in a head coaching position. Uh, Walla Walla University has a, a really fantastic person in, in your role. And so congratulations, man. And we're rooting for you. Thank you so much for coming on the Adventist Hoops podcast and best of luck in this uh this upcoming season thank you Dustin. appreciate it. thanks for having me